I was living in a devil town I didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town Welcome to the Devil's Junkie Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Amston. We're up here in the press box after Arizona State gets a 31-28 to win over UCLA, and I'm feeling a little bit more bowl eligible than I felt a few hours ago. How are you feeling, Chili? Hey, I, I like um, some of what's going on. I mean, I, you know, I said this team was a 10-win team early in the season. Like, I think the ta- that talent-wise, like, this team's good let's enough clarify. to let's hit the accomplish everything. That, let's hit the brakes you know, on this because I, I didn't want people to understand what you meant. When you said that this was a ten win team, like ten win talent, or yeah. regardless of who the coach regardless was, of who the coach was, I thought that this team was capable of winning ten games. I thought that they had the talent on this team to win ten games. Whether Herm was the coach, or whether Todd Graham was the coach, whether you were the coach or I was the coach, um, I didn't think it mattered who was uh, calling plays. I, you talk about a team that has Nikhil Harry. Um, a quarterback that's been here like for what seems like forever. I know some Sun Devil fans, you know, feel like, you know, it's been like a lifetime. Um, you know, Eno Benjamin has clearly showed what he's capable of doing. You know, I, I think that there's, you know, there shouldn't even be a doubt like how good this team should and could be. They lost a ton of games by seven points. Um, you know, one of those games being San Diego State. Right now they sit at six and four. They should, probably should be eight and two and have two games left plus a bowl game so we're looking at a team that should have won 10 games so like so your reaction after after getting to a sixth win after getting a bowl eligibility is still what could have been no it's just that you know six wins are are we so excited about this like isn't this exactly what ray anderson didn't want us to be excited about ray anderson wanted a team that was going to compete for pac-12 championships a team that was going to be top three in the Pac-12, and a team that could be top 15 in the country. Right, now, and bring us a this. national championship in four years. So we're still on. All right, I'm but let's worry. Let's worry that. about 2018. Right. Your 10-win vision is still attainable. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, as no of question. today, as of today, they Six have the they have at least three games left with the opportunity to play four. Yeah, yeah, because they would have to play that North versus South game. So they could get. I mean, they could still get ten To me, it's wild that that exists. A couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, even we're talking about a a team that's three and four, and to say that the ability to have ten wins would be there, I think three weeks ago, isn't something that anybody, anybody, I think, would have even thought possible. But so ten wins isn't within reach. The division isn't in reach uh, as far as the South. The entire conference is within reach. Playing in a major bowl game is within reach. All of these with things. With four losses. With four losses. But in Todd Graham's best I years mean, at not, Arizona State, Todd Graham's best years at Arizona State were a 10, 10 and 3 and a 10 and 4 year. I mean, they're not gonna, that's the best gonna, he ever they're did. They're not going to get a playoff berth or anything like that. But, I mean, they could get into like one of those like I know top 10 I, bowls. I know how you feel about Todd Graham, and I, the best he ever did was 10 and 3. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, he had a 10 and 4 year, too, that everybody was super proud of. When you know, they lost to uh, Stanford, I believe, in the Pac-12 championship, so which, I mean, which was hosted here, that was crazy. But um, so they, I mean, they had the opportunity to what, what's looking like it might end up being. I mean, if we have to live in the Washington. reality, we have to live in the right now. So right now, this team stands at six and four. So um, in terms of technicality, this really isn't a team capable of winning ten games yet, because there is no guarantee of 
anything other than the next two games plus a bowl game. So you're saying unless they're at nine wins with a game left, you're not really thinking about ten wins. No, I'm just saying that, you know, this is it. Like, everybody's excited that, you know, they just got bowl eligible. But Ray Anderson did not want us to be so excited about just going to bowl games. He wanted us, he wanted to try to sell everybody on this vision that was going to um, bring riches out of chocolate and that's not the case all right well let me play literal devil's advocate here and say that whether you're o and o at the beginning of the season or six and four with a shot at the division you still have the same shot at 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 the division they still they have that opportunity that opportunities is, is as alive today as it was before the season ever started they just have to be perfect and that's asking a lot of anybody. It is asking a lot because to, to, if, if we're being honest, we're talking about a 31-28 victory against a 2-7 and seven UCLA team who, I, I'm going to be honest, Joey, I've watched about five UCLA games this year. They are losing. They're, they're losing. They're not a te- – they're not good, but they're not terrible. No, 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 no. And um, they're, they're going through their own situation too. They're going through their own transition. So, like, um, you know – I, I don't know how much uh, I invest in. I don't really know how much I invest in like these records, but there are some things that you look at, like oh, they beat USC, which is amazing, except that they beat USC's third-string quarterback. So then you kind of look at it like, oh, well, how good is this USC team that they beat? Um, you know, they beat UCLA. Oh my God, this is amazing. But like you said, it's a two and seven UCLA team that's going through a transition. So how good is this UCLA team really? Um, if before the year they beat Utah, but then Utah's starting quarterback got knocked out or whatever, so they had to put in a true freshman. And how good is this Utah team? Right. That they, you know what I'm saying? So but like, let's remove because if we remove context, and before the year, I tell you, ten games into the season, Arizona State's going to have victories over USC, UCLA, Utah, and Michigan State. Well, you if you would have right asked me, that? I would have believed you because, like I said, I thought that this was a team capable of winning ten games. The who they beat to win those 10 games like I was I, I don't I can't predict that I'm not Dion Warwick <laughs> but I know I so but I, I look at it and I say I thought I thought that this was a seven win team and that still oh, you're have, definitely close that still might happen uh, they, uh, seven I would bet seven and five that. seven and six is well they obviously they they've got a 13th game now which is which is huge for them they could end up playing in in uh in anywhere in, in dallas in uh, el paso they could go to san diego they could go to san francisco they could stay right here for the cheese bowl or they could be playing in rose bowl there, there's all these opportunities and possibilities that exist today that did not exist before today's game happened. hey this asu team wins seven games or eight games everybody's going to call you ralph stradamus or whatever they want to call you um they're going to say that you're related to Dion warwick and that's cool this team goes out and wins 10 games everybody's gonna be like oh that's that's not really what Chili meant. He didn't really have any idea. Like, and and You're I'm right. okay You're with right. that I, too. I will give you this. You will not. I, I. You will not get the credit you deserve if this team actually goes out and wins ten games. You will not get the credit that you deserve, and I think one of the reasons that you won't get the credit you deserve is because you're not here sitting getting giving yourself credit right now. No, 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 that no. They no. Have it's the, not because that they that. even it's have the ability to get to ten wins. No, no, no. That's not. That's not why. It's just because you know people. People have a certain way of looking at things, and that's that's okay. And that's that's part of 
um, the problem with the Sun Devil situation on the whole. That's why we have no fans here too. Yeah, and I, so I know I know that's really big for you. And I spent so I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I don't know if you listened to it or not. Last week's podcast about the first 14 minutes was me just railing on the Pac-12 for the way that the Pac-12 contributes to people not showing up for for these games. And one of the things that got a lot of positive feedback because everybody's got an opinion as to why why people show up and why people don't show up. But a lot of people weighed in on the fact that ASU hasn't been tailgater friendly. So there's not really that culture of being around the stadium that's been encouraged. You're missing out on the people that come out here. They're here for a few hours before coming to the game. And ASU did change the rules on re-entry this year. So even you have fans that show up, but they want to go grab a beer at College Bar or something like that. At halftime, they're not being let back in. Do you feel like, and I know, I know, I know how you feel about just people not showing up in the first place, but what about the people that do show up? Because I think they, they, they deserve some credit. Is ASU being too hard and too restrictive on the people that do want to be here and do show up here? But, oh, hold on real quick. Hold on. Let, let, let me address one thing first. So the re-entry thing is something entirely different. There's no fans at the beginning, though. There's no fans at the beginning. Right. Like, you right. want to come to the game and then you want to, like, leave? That's, that says one thing. That says, hey... At least we're filling the stands, and you know if ASU's not putting the product out there, then you know fans want to leave. Like that's on them. That's another argument entirely. But we're talking about like they're not even here at the beginning. They're not here to watch kickoff. They're not here to listen to the national anthem. They're not here. Like, so noon, none of that. noon kickoff, last game for Manny, last game for Nikhil. This game should be filled. Bowl eligibility if, on the line. If for nothing else, two for wins Nikhil, in a row. For Nikhil, we're talking about it. We're talking about everybody wants to talk about hometown heroes. Oh my gosh, let's celebrate Nikhil, the Chandler boy. One state, won a state championship for Chandler. Uh, committed to ASU. Uh, got love for his grandma and his family and stuff like that. Made it easy for. Where? Who, who, who came out and showed him love for that? Right. And all, I, all 17 of the student section fans? I did, Well, the student... Okay, so that, the, that, the that student section... Harry, Harry. And the student was cool section was usually really strong. So, yeah, I, I can't... But today was a little bit less. They didn't have that, that, that southeast corner full like they usually do. But that the southeast corner was in the sun, so I think maybe they were packing to the south a, a, a little bit more than they, they usually do. But I, I will say this, because I don't want to get into just kind of what the what last week's podcast was. And I do want to give credit to the fans that do show up for the and games. I appreciate them. But I, I, I want to ask you one really important question really important question can asu change the culture on the field without having the adjoining off the field game day culture of of a major college football program i want to believe can you can you have like 10 wins year in and year out with thirty-eight thousand fans in the stands with 38,000 so yeah can you a I mean, stadium that's like almost like a third empty? Yeah, can you can you can you be a winning team year in and year out with people who just don't show up in the stands? I don't like think there was so. a lot of recruits on the sidelines today. I, you know, I want to believe you can, but I I, I just don't think so. I, I don't think so. Um, so I so the the fans have to take part in this yeah. ASU resurgence. They they're, got they got to bet on ASU. They got they're, they're the they're the. I hate to use this term, but they're the twelfth man on the team. All right, like, so you make a uh, you. You don't make excuses for the fans. I make plenty of excuses for them. I blame the Pac-12. I blame the TV deals. I blame the the not knowing the kickoff times. It's seven days away from the Oregon kickoff. We I think still don't that's know so what time they're kicking off. I think off. that's so dumb. So that like, is so dumb too. Yeah. So the, this this to be determined. I I, I will give. Uh, uh, so 
I give people a break on the problem with the scheduling. And I think that that is a, a huge issue. Um, but we have 80,000 kids that go to this school. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and we have, a, we have a good metro population here. Right. And a lot of which, you know, uh, either went to ASU uh, to attain a degree or went to ASU for a party. So, like, there should be some sort of spirit there. Like, you got to support in some way, shape, or form. Don't just come here to drink our beers and talk to the girls and move on. Like, come here and buy a ticket and support the team and talk to the girls, <laughs> drink a beer, and move on. You can do both, yeah. So Contribute. So, give so, back. So here, here we are. Just we, give back those STDs. Anyways. Uh, so we... <laughs> We all we want is the TD part. That's all we want. Right. So hey, drop the S. So here's the thing. The fans that were here, I thought, I thought they did all right, especially in that fourth quarter when they were needed on that final drive. I yeah. want to give credit to the people you're, that no, do show right. up. No, you're right. You're right. But even though people were leaving when ASU was up ten with four minutes left. But think about it. Think about it. You want to give credit to those fans, and, and you are absolutely 100% right that let's pretend that there was 30,000 fans there because there wasn't. Um, <laughs> those 30,000 fans probably made enough noise for, um, we'll say, like 40. Because UCLA's final drive was a mess. Imagine if there was 50,000 fans here. That means that I'm going to leave 10,000 oh, open the, seats. All, if, if there were, were 50,000 fans here, especially for that final drive. Like real when, fans. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about like every one of those kids on the sideline would have tried to commit on the spot. I mean, it, this was this ended up being a really good game and being a really exciting game toward the end. It's three wins in a, in a row for ASU. You know, they, they, Manny Wilkins is doing what everyone thought that he should be doing, especially these last few weeks. He's loosened up. He's not afraid to make a mistake. He'll go out there and still make some plays, especially with his feet. Nikhil is turning it on. I mean, he what you what you've witnessed him doing the last few weeks is just really really special. And so, I, had there been fifty thousand, I'm man, had there been fifty thousand people, had there been the amount that was even here for the Oregon State game, because to me that was probably the best crowd. Of I don't the, know. I think Michigan State was probably the best. Crowd. Michigan State was pretty was pretty good, but I, I think uh, like Oregon State when Eno really started to get it, and there was a little bit. There's a few more fans here, I think, for the Oregon State game than there was for the at least tickets sold. When when Eno really started to get it, this place just came alive. And had there been that many people here to help disrupt that final drive for UCLA when there's two minutes left or about a minute and a half left and they're trying to go down, at least get a tying field goal, I, I think that would have been an unforgettable experience for, you know, because I think I think the senior day, the senior day is marked for a few of these seniors. They're going to remember, like, oh, my senior day, it was a noon kickoff. There weren't a lot of fans there. Even the UCLA, who they don't show up for their own games because of traffic and a million other reasons, the UCLA fans didn't even show up to support their team on the northeast side of the end zone. And so, you know, they're going to remember that there wasn't a lot of people here, but that they did they, they did have the success. And hopefully, because a lot of people have said this, and I don't know if I fully believe it, a lot of people have said if you win, they'll show up. Well, well guess yeah, what they did here? That- uh, they they won most of their home games. They're bowl eligible. They played tough in the games that they didn't win. And there's nobody at yeah. the games. I mean, I could... Ralph, you could sit on one side of the stadium. I could sit on the other, and we could literally have a conversation. <laughs> I was a little bit embarrassed. Hey, Ralph, they, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. Everything's cool. I, I will admit I was a little bit embarrassed when they tried to get the Go Devils chant going. Oh, come on. Oof. I don't even know why they do that to themselves. I really don't. Oof. 
But anyway, so let's let's move on to this game. Let's move on to this game. First of all, bowl eligibility. How do you feel about that? Because extra practices. Extra practices is the best part of bowl eligibility. You get 15 or 16 extra practices with these guys. Um, you know, yeah, a lot of guys want to be able to go home for the holidays or whatever. But if you get to keep them around, you get to try to get some of these new guys uh, into the system and everything like that. I don't believe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you know him as well as anyone, Nikhil Harry is not the type of dude to sit out a bowl. I think it's becoming the new thing, right, where Christian Sam did it last year. Christian Sam did it last year where he sat out the bowl to get draft ready. So did somebody else. Yeah, you know. um, Christian McCaffrey kind of made it popular. Like, it became controversial when Christian McCaffrey did it. I don't think it speaks to your character, and if Nikhil Harry decided to sit out a bowl game, I would 100 million percent support that because I know what it means to him, and I know what these checks are going to mean to his family, and I know the work that he's put in. I would be super proud of him, regardless of what he decides to do. To me, though, he—he's not. That's not him. That's not what he would do, in my experience. In my experience, I think that, you know, if it comes to a decision like that, I think he's going to sit down and talk to the people that are important to him and make it make the best um, and most responsible decision. If that means sitting out, then, you know, just like you, I'd be super proud of him. I'd be disappointed as a fan, but I would have to understand, you know, some of these kids, you know, we don't know the trials and tribulations they really, really went through. We just get the surface story that gets clicks and stuff like that. Nothing that we've ever, you know, as media people or personalities or whatever that we've tried to do, but... Um, you know, the subjects that are super sensitive to them, I think that that's something that they got to protect and uh, deal with and handle however they're going to do. And, you know, like I said, I, I can imagine that when that time comes, if and when that time comes, Nikhil's going to have a long sit-down conversation, uh, pro- probably with Coach Edwards or whoever and, you know, his his grandmother, and, you know, they're going to come to the best yeah. uh, you know, solution for that. And I think maybe there's a difference if they're playing in the like Mamma Mia two on DVD bowl, yeah, versus playing in the Rose Bowl. I think yeah. they, you know they go to the Rose Bowl. I think, I think this whole team's going to want to show up. And for the most part, there's not a lot of people that people are are, are whispering about as far as like NFL draft. It, Manny Wilkins has never had those whispers about him as being as being an NFL prospect. And so to me, Nikhil Harry's going to want to go out and run it back with Manny one more time if they have the ability to do that, especially if they don't, uh, especially if they, let's say they don't even get the chance to make it to the Pac-12 South Championship, and that's one, the bowl would be the third game that he has left. You know, but then again, you know, you see this guy's Instagram story. He got ice on every single joint of his body. He took a hit to that thigh today that he injured against Colorado State. These guys need to protect their bodies, and I'm, I, 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 what would break my heart is if fans turned on Nikhil Harry for making that type of decision. They didn't for Christian Sam. Everybody was kind of fine with it. But Nikhil Harry being on offense, being a hometown hero, there's a little bit extra behind it. And I think people generally feel as though the athletes they root for owe them something. I would encourage them to not feel that way. But it's weird that we're even having – but they are bowl eligible, so it does bring up the fact that, hey, people are skipping bowls now. I don't feel like Nikhil would do it. So in my mind, Nikhil has three or four games left. And if you, I mean, if you didn't make it out for this UCLA game, maybe buy a plane ticket, go and see this guy dressed uh, in 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 the maroon and gold one more time. Or don't if, buy a plane ticket. Drive down to Tucson. And yeah, wear, drive wear down to Tucson. And fill that out because those fans haven't been showing up either. <laughs> There's gonna be a lot of empty seats. Oh my god, <laughs> nobody cares about the game. Oh <laughs> Jesus, this is gonna be the worst rivalry game in the history of like territorial cups. Like I am, I am territorial s- cups. Nobody wants it though. Come on. No, I. How's I, Khalil Tate doing? 
<laughs> big I, matchup. Well, the, so they're heating up too, but I, I do want to throw out there that I interviewed Khalil Tate before the season, and he said he wanted everybody to remember the score when he got hurt. That's what he said. He said, I want everyone to remember the score when I got hurt. And he's not wrong. They were up. I think they were up like 10. So I think that there is some heat to this rivalry because of the Kevin Sumlin and Todd Graham had a little bit of a – they had that Texas A&M game. Yeah. You know, so I, I think it's there a little bit. I think that – I don't think that they're going to let Khalil Tate come out and say any bullet, more bulletin board material, but the bulletin board, it's already got the material on it from before the season. I'll yeah. tweet that video out just before the game uh-huh. for, for fun. Um, but before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's let's get into this game. Um, 31-28, ASU makes a couple of mistakes to, to – allow UCLA to be in this game. Manny Wilkins does throw the pick six to our Darnay Holmes, who I, if I'm not mistaken, I think was like a five-star prospect and is probably UCLA's best player on a list of very talented players that UCLA has they on their roster. Balls. They they really do. That freshman, that 6'2", 380-pound freshman that laid flat on Nikhil after the play. Oh, yeah, That yeah, dude yeah. was something else, number 56. Um but they, they, they definitely got some dudes on this team, and um, they were all they weren't just the most talented guy at their schools. They're the most talented guy in their cities. This 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 team is full of four stars who just got out to LA, and it feels like they'd rather go to the beach than than take football seriously. You know? Oh man, that's so true. That's so true. Think He's... about our boys. Think about Jacks Waycaser and and Sean Seawards who went out to UCLA, and uh, and 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 Chip Kelly says, "Hey, you're probably not going to play." And and Jacks had some concussions, and they're like, "You can go and try to play football elsewhere, or we'll pay for you to stick around for four years." Both guys were like, "Hey, we'll stick around LA for four years, mm. all expenses paid, right?" So, hey, I'm not mad at them for that. Oh, me neither. Get your education, um, but you know, I, I think it's hard to go out to LA and take football. As seriously as you know, somebody in Boulder, Colorado, or Salt Lake City. Well, but then I mean, again, you see in, in U- those USC. Cities, that's can, all they have in those yeah. cities. That's all. That's all they have in, in Hollywood. There, there's so much, and um, I mean, you know, you literally have that celebrity lifestyle. All the cool places to shop. Uh, you know, it's it's crazy. It's a uh, it's kind of like ASU's campus as far as like eye candy and stuff like on steroids if, well, AS, if asu's campus went on for like 80 miles in every direction right and <laughs> you know there's just so there's just so much to do out there there's so much nightlife there's all the celebrities are out there all the cool young rappers and you know more about whatever. that life than me my entire life in la is is spent behind the wheel of a car wondering why people <laughs> live out there so but uh, i mean i, I think that there, there are some things that I want to point out that ASU did well in this game. First of all, let's give a shout-out to the young safeties okay. because DeMonte King goes down, and DeMonte King's been the most durable, most reliable player on that defense. He, I think, up until the USC game, hadn't missed a snap, and he missed one. Like, they brought in Cam Phillips for one play, and then DeMonte King was right back in the game. DeMonte King goes out. Uh, Cam Phillips fills in for him, and then you have uh, Jalen Harvey go down later in the game, and Evan Fields, who's a super promising right, guy right, right. who committed to this team to play for Todd Graham because his dad was like a either a teammate or had played for him at East Central Oklahoma or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and so Cam Phillips and Evan Fields get out there at safety, and they, they didn't do anything super special, but they did enough. And I thought I think this was really valuable experience for them to get as many snaps as they did in a win. You know, um, I like... <laughs> I like where this secondary is going. Um, 
not just currently, but even with the recruits. I mean, you guys, everybody kind of knows I'm a huge fan of Saguaro's Connor Soli, who I think is in a, you know, even with the good young play right now, I think Connor Soli is. They got Soli the Markham is, twins from Long Beach Poly were at know, this game, and, and they, they're, they're, one of them's a safety, one of them's a corner. I, I, you know, Phillips, Phillips uh, made a lot of tackles today. He looked good out there. I think that, uh, hey, man, Chase Lucas and the corners, like, I, they, they communicate well out there. They did some good things. Um, I'd like to see some more interceptions, but I think we all would. Um, they, they get dirty. I, I, I like what's going on. Um, I think they're well coached. I think the secondary is a, a lot better coached now than it was at the beginning of so the season. So you like, probably you, just you some like Tony pains. White better than, than, than rushing? You like Tony White, what yeah. he's doing with the secondary a little yeah. bit more than yeah. – Yeah, I, you know, I I think sometimes, you know, you you got to – I don't know. I'm wondering if there's, like, more communication on the coaching staff or something because it seems like, you know, um, our players on defense are finding themselves in better positions to make plays and do positive things. Um, you know, sometimes there's bad things that happen. Like, you know, uh, I know late in the game there was a, uh, the play on Chase Lucas. Um, I think it was – uh, pass interference or something like that, or a long play, a uh, long pass caught on them. Yeah, something. when when I, UCLA I that, was trying to claw back in it. Yeah. I know, I know. There's some like miscommunications and stuff like that, but you know, for the most part, I would say after about um, game three, um, you know, it seems like ASU's had better communication on the defensive side of the ball, and the players have found themselves in positions to make plays that were less self-destructive. Which is crazy to me considering the amount of freshmen that they play on this defense. Jermaine but that's, Lole, a, tri- but that's a tribute to the coaching coaches, staff. Right. That, that, that's my thing. Danny Gonzalez really is that dude. I'm, I'm starting to believe. I'm, I'm, I, I, I what do you make of all I these people? Not, I did not like him, but I just, I just wasn't sure with the way the assemblage. You're in wait and see mode. With some of the assistants, yeah, for sure. You know. So what, what do you make of the, the people that talk about Danny Gonzalez? I mean, I, I think it's early for this, uh, and I, I've, I hear it being brought up in different areas, and I don't necessarily know if, if it's appropriate or not, especially 10 games into this staff's first go-around together. But people are already talking about Danny Gonzalez being in a coach-in-waiting role for, for Herm Edwards, that you get four or five years out of Herm, is that am I wrong? That feels like super you know, inappropriate for ten games into a new coach's tenure. I, I I can I I see why you would think that, and I got to be honest. Like um, as disappoint as disappointed as I was with the way Herm was hired, um, if this was the long term approach that they were going to take, I guess I would be a little more accepting of it. And not that Ray Anderson cares what I think, but it would let me know that there's more commitment to you know the long-term uh you know benefits of asu football you know that it was more about than just having his buddy yeah it it would let me know that there's commitment and not interest you know hey herm not only am i going to bring you here but i actually want to bring you here to groom this guy yeah you know i don't know it's one of those things that you know um I, i wasn't happy with the herm thing because i know it's so short term herm's gone three four years i i just don't see him staying past four years if if the apocalypse happens and he does and whatever i'm with it but you know if, if danny gonzalez is a long-term solution 
um, a la the way the Cowboys did Jason Garrett or the way uh, Jimbo Fisher was over at Florida State. Like, I'm, I'm on board for that. I yeah. would actually be on board for that. I just think it's so rare that it works out that way. And, and I'm, I'm one of it those people. at Florida State, though. Yeah. I'm, for a long time. I'm one of those people that doesn't, um, I don't believe a word that any assistant coach says ever. And, and, and when it comes terms to of, when it comes to their own career, because it is their responsibility to lie. We put them in a position where they have to lie. They have to talk about their commitment to a program beyond what they're contractually obligated to ultimately do for themselves and their family. And and of course, if you ask if someone wants to be where they're at, they're going to say yes. And for the most part, maybe they really do. But if a better opportunity comes along, then I can't fault them. So I don't go out of my way to believe a word that any coach, any assistant coach says about wanting to stick around. That being said, Danny Gonzalez has alluded to the fact that he wants to be here for a long time. And Who wouldn't want to be here, though? Really every single it. assistant that left in the last three or four know, years, but, like but Billy it, Napier, uh, um, Mike Norvell, but they, Chip were di- Lindsay. But, they, but they were in different places. Danny Gonzalez is a little bit older. Jay than Norvell those guys. is he? I don't see. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, and then there's this other thing. My my wife talks about this all the time. Is uh, the Peter Principle. Have you ever heard of the Peter Principle? No. That people tend to rise to their level of incompetence. So people ultimately end up getting promoted one level above where they absolutely excel. People get rewarded for being really good at a certain job by being promoted into another role that might not necessarily suit them. They might have been perfectly suited for what they're going to do. I think coaching displays the Peter principle more than a lot of other industries in that if somebody's a good offensive coordinator, they end up a head coach. Well, maybe they were just meant to be an offensive coordinator like uh, Mike Martz, right? The perfect example, the greatest show on turf. Yeah. He was a disaster a of a head coach and a genius, genius as an, an offensive coordinator. Uh, I, think, I think as far as in Arizona State history, I think a lot of people – um, think about Dirk Cutter and how great he was as a play caller and as a head coach he kind of flamed out at ASU and then you know there's talks of of what he did to earn himself the job at Tampa Bay as far as his ability to call plays is he the best coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so it, it, do you think that Danny Gonzalez would fall into that do you think he's a really good DC or do you think he's head coaching material also why are we talking about this well <laughs> well, real real quick real quick uh, yeah. since, since we already kind of brought it up um, Billy Napier is 39 years old. Yes. And Mike Norvell is 37 years old. Okay. So when they were assistant coaches here versus um, Danny Gonzalez now being 42 years old, like there, there was a huge age discrepancy, I feel like. There's a much bigger age. I mean, because four years is like a lot of time. And then for Mike Norvell, Mike Norvell was an OC here when he was like 34. Yeah, 30, I mean, maybe 33, 32. Yeah, very young. So like he was super young. So, like, yeah. you know, I think like nowadays, like, Coaches are getting way younger, and I mean, barring the situation with Herm Edwards being 97 years old, um, you know, Danny Gonzalez. Hey, is, Herm Edwards looks like a dude who's going to live to be 110. I don't know. I, I don't know how long he'll be coaching, but like, he he that that dude that dude if he wanted to be here, if Herm Edwards put his mind to being here for 15 years. Do you think he could handle the grind? No. Because there's a lot of coaches. Bill Snyder's out there at K-State. I mean, obviously it's the exception, not the rule. That's that he really, really wants, though. That's what Bill Snyder really, really wants. But I don't ASU, think that... put, ASU put Herm Edwards in the situation of being a figurehead. 
right? To be to be the new leadership model is that you don't have as much day to day to worry about that the coordinators are really they they try to almost position him in the paternal role I th- and i think in order to do that you're gonna have to replace a legacy i don't think that he's about that life so i mean so you don't you you you're 100 convinced that this is a that that herm is a transition plan yes yeah. or which, which is, or which is why or it won't go well which and is which they'll is, be transitioned right by which, crow and which is why you know i i think you know if the commitment was like Herm, groom Danny, I'd be all about it. I like that. I'm, I'm with yeah. that. Danny, well, Danny, we're going to give you a 15-year deal. You just have to sit and learn from Herm until Herm's done in four or five years. And then it's you for 10. I'm all, all right. about that. Well, I don't know. The whole conversation feels weird to me uh, because I don't. And because we, you don't we like just. like Danny? No, it has nothing to do. <laughs> you're going to put me in the position. No, because because we just got off of Billy Napier saying, I want to be here, and then he's gone. We, we, we just saw Chip Lindsey say that he was going to stay, and the next day he was gone. We just watched Mike Norvell take half the staff to, to Memphis. I don't feel like it's... Can you it, argue that they didn't do the best thing for considering where Ray Anderson was going with this, though? But what, what if a huge opportunity comes up for Danny Gonzalez to go back to San Diego State, where he was under Rocky Long for a really long time? I don't see. I don't. I don't know that. Or what if? What if because of the improvement that they've made this year, that somebody comes along and they want to steal him away for for really big money? I I personally feel like we should ignore everything an assistant coach says because they can't tell us the truth. They literally can't. So then people believe what an assistant coach says, and then they hate the assistant for 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 not fulfilling their own words but what what were they gonna say no i want to get a better job somewhere else i mean that's Nobody, a given though we know that we do all know we that. because people still get emotional we, we all know that. i mean i'm not gonna you? be emotional when danny gonzalez leaves is what i'm saying because in my mind everybody should be looking out for themselves everybody should be looking to be in the best possible situation for them and and to get paid and if somebody wants to pay danny gonzalez based on what he's doing this year and he leaves i don't think that anybody should say well but you were the chosen one (laughs) like i i just don't necessarily think that should happen but so so to transition to transition uh i i want to bring up a couple other things that happened in this game targeting again merlin's out for the first half this is such a lame rule i don't i i don't know what to think because You're you're telling football players not to be aggressive yeah, not to not to be gladiators and savages. Yet you put helmets and pads on them and tell them to go hit something. But the rule's the rule, right? So I mean, regardless of how we feel about it, it's here to stay. Did Merlin make a mistake? Did he do something wrong? Should have he known better? Do we blame Merlin for this? Because the rules, the rule. I mean, I mean, the rules are to walk across a crosswalk. People still cross the street in the middle of the street sometimes. I mean, hey, you know, speaking of crossing the middle of the street, I almost ran. There was almost a huge transition to ASU because I almost ran over Doctor Crow today. Oh dang! <laughs> he walked out in front of my car. He knew it was. He knew it was his bad. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. People still break rules. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's not a moral issue for me. I don't think he was trying to. But 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 do we? do what we do every single week and blame the ref for throwing somebody out of a game or do eventually we start to look at these players and say you know the rule don't do this you hurt yourself it's hard i think it's hard um because a lot of these kids they grew, grew up obviously the last four or five years playing um it didn't really become a rule until like a year or two ago and, and merlin didn't hit spate in the head he hit him in the chest yeah like that which when i bad. played that was spearing right that was a penalty you hit somebody in the chest with your helmet that's always been a penalty right 
Spearing? Yeah. Do you remember when they used yeah, to call yeah, spearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel ancient right now, but <laughs> but they they weren't tossing anybody for spearing. They were just giving no. you 15 yards. Um, so Merlin misses the first half of that Oregon game. Uh, how do you feel like how do you feel like ASU did with Merlin out of the game? I mean, obviously they had some trouble in coverage all day long because Caleb Wilson went off. I think I think they did. I think they did okay. You know, I like I like what Tyler Johnson does out there. Um, you know, second week it, in a row Tyler Johnson gets to talk to the media. Right, after the game, right. he's one of the players of the game, and, and and he sounded good doing it. Probably a lot of good practice and stuff uh, with that great Arizona media coverage for high school and stuff. So, um, you know, Tyler's definitely developed into being a guy. Um, they got a, they got a bunch of good linebackers right now. Um, they really do. When Malik Lawal and Kalen Thomas are your backup options because you're playing true freshmen and redshirt freshmen out there, Kyle Soley's been solid. And Kyle Soley, uh, I, I know he made a tackle today. I know he did some things. You know. I'm impressed. You know, I just like to, I like the direction that the defense is going, and then they and then they lose a guy, um, and it's like they don't like really fall apart, so to speak. Um, and kids right. are still you're, finding themselves in positions to make. You lose a freshman, plays. and then you you put in a guy who's been in the program for four years, like Kalen Thomas. Yeah. So that's I'm, that's not a bad place to be. No, I, you know. You just I, hope that LaWall and Thomas come back next year, knowing that they're going to play behind underclassmen. Would you? Or would you try to go somewhere where you could start? Because that's what I wonder. Is this ASU team going to have a bunch of people leave because of ha- the amount of opportunity that's been afforded to the younger guys? Does it matter? I mean, look at, look at the way they've kind of dismissed players. Yeah, and see, so here's the thing. Are it, they afraid of that? It matters to me because – because but I it watch, doesn't matter if it matters to you. It does. It doesn't matter to Ray. It doesn't matter to Herm. That's right. who it matters. To. And I've and I I've heard Herm Edwards make the con, the comments of like, hey, we only have fifty three in the NFL. We can make do. But in college, you need the, <laughs> you need the consistency year over year. You need to be filling in like a like a shark's mouth, where the one row of teeth falls out and the next row comes in. Right. You need that. And and what I worry about is ASU's in danger before this upcoming class signs of being down to like 50 total scholarships. And the thing that I worry about is Charlie Weiss came in and ruined University of Kansas, and they've never been able to recover. There were years when Kansas only had like half the amount of scholarship players on the team. And you remember USC when they lost 15 scholarships? When when you, when you you're not using all your available scholarships, I think that trouble follows that. So I, if, if a guy like LaWall or Thomas, if those guys were to leave – and, and ASU has dismissed some players and some other players have chosen to leave on their own accord, then you'll have other guys that try to go and get playing opportunities but elsewhere. The lower you get, you start to have some... I worry that there could eventually be some depth issues. Maybe I'm worrying for no reason, but I just... You have 85 scholarships. I'd rather be closer to 80 than 70. But and that, right now they're at about 70. But that's okay because, you know... Then they'll just be six and four at this point next year, looking at maybe we can win ten games and go to a bowl game, and it'll all look good on paper. Hey, I don't care. I don't care how they do. if they win, if they get those games on the back end or the front end. Ten win seasons, pretty. If, but yeah, I, just, yep, I yep, said big if. I said we'll right. be looking at being six and four again, and maybe. I mean, right. who knows how this season turns out? Well, speaking of where they where they don't have depth and where they haven't got a lot of contributions. I was getting a little bit jealous today watching Caleb Wilson go off for UCLA. Read me back his stat line because um, it's absurd. 11 catches, 164 yards, two touchdowns. One of those late in the game, too. So the most catches that anybody had in a game this year against ASU was LaVisca Chenault had 13. 
but he had it for like 132 yards. So this was the best any receiver, tight end or otherwise, has done against Arizona State. That that dude, and he's kind of a hybrid. He's like a big receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's good. He's no, real he, good. He's, he's all right. He's how, much would, how much would you like to even get a fourth of that production at the tight end level from anybody at Arizona State? I, I would love it because, like, Nick Rawson, our slightly used fullback, had two catches for six yards, and he registers as one of our – top four receivers yeah we we didn't get we didn't get the uh, uh they didn't get the um the hudson one catch that he usually gets per game i mean so i'm I, just I, saying it's a if, if asu is going to be out there playing this pro style offense it sure would be nice to have a tight end drag over the middle the way that the way that they had caleb wilson out there because once caleb wilson got that ball he, he they they would they the way that they would set it up is spate who's a pretty good quarterback by the way uh they didn't they didn't roll with their dude from bishop gorman yeah, this week they Dorian. Had, yeah, they they didn't have Dorian Thompson Robinson. They put Spade out there, who was big. I saw him on the field after the game. And yeah, that he's like dude, six he eight. Looks like a he looks like a Carson forward. Palmer out there. Like he looks mature, right? And he would wait in that pocket, and and then when he'd get a tight end dragging across after the field had cleared out, you know, you get these guys. There's there had to be a t- there. He had to have as much yards after catch attached to his passing yards as he did actual passing yards. I mean, be- quite possibly. And Caleb Wilson was a big part of that. I mean, what? And I know how much you like Jarrett Caldwell, but Jarrett Caldwell's not an every down tight end. He's not that size. No, he's not he's not there yet. I but, mean but you know, he he's definitely uh he's got some growing to do. Yeah. He's gotta hit that weight room. So if you knew that you could even get half that production every single week, week in and week out from the tight end uh position, would you flip Tyler Johnson to the other side of the field? Half that production meaning that I would get about eighty we'll yards and a touchdown. Yards yeah. and a touchdown. Which would make him an all American. Yeah, I absolutely would. And I think that Tyler Johnson would absolutely be capable of that because we're talking about a kid, uh, Caleb Wilson, who is, um, I don't think he's as big as Tyler Johnson is. Tyler Johnson's 6'5", about what, like 270? Almost. Like, Almost. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that... I don't know that Caleb we, Wilson's there. Caleb and we Wilson's saw Tyler like, Johnson's speed burst on the sack he had today. Right. Caleb Wilson's what, like a, a hair over like 6'3", and I think he's like 235 or something, 235, 240. Yeah. So, like, we're talking about a kid that Tyler Johnson's a couple inches legitimately taller um, and at least, you know, a big watermelon bigger. So, like, <laughs> I mean. So, hey, but Nolan Matthews was here today on the sideline. He's their tight end commit for this upcoming year. That's going to be big for if Donnie Yontis can can develop him. That's going to be huge if they can get a tight end to come in here and catch some passes. Because to watch it happen to you makes you realize, like, oh, this is what we this is what ASU is missing, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I I think tight end production would definitely help the offense. I I think you know part of the problem is is um, Manny doesn't have a dump off threat. He really doesn't because then it, it, he's been using Eno. He's been using Eno, but it's too much and it gives usage. no break. Yeah, exactly. It's too much usage because Eno carried the ball thirty times today. And 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 it, what I've noticed about Eno is in the games where he does get around thirty carries, twenty of those carries come in like the first half, and then they use him sparingly the rest of the game. But since we brought him up, uh, he passed Ryan Terrain today for the the single season rushing yard record in Pac-10 slash 12 history. I think uh, there was somebody prior to the Pac-10 era 
um, who actually had had more rushing yards. But yeah, you he, have to go back to like the seventies, according to Brad Denny. Yeah. So, so but but he, there's three games left at least for Eno. Is are we witnessing the best ever? Is it is is he? Is he having the best season ever? Not the best running back ever because the, he's got so much more time for his legacy yeah, to so unfold. I don't. I want to. I want to say. I want to say yes. We are witnessing the best ever, but the best is still yet to come. I think because Eno's going to get better, and I think you if know the he commitment gets to him. Four more games. Doing and he gets what? Two hundred yards. <laughs> two hundred yards a game. Good lord. But it, what's crazy is it's not out of the realm of possibility no, for him to get the, 200 in a couple of these well, games. Well, because because what I'm thinking is one game he's going to get at least like 250, and then the other. That's insane. So, I don't think he'll do that. But he could against Arizona and Oregon. I mean, we're watching Oregon right now. Oregon's on in the background. They're not defending the run all that well. They got big Jalen Jelks, but nobody else is really flying to the ball the way they were at if, the beginning of the season. I mean, I don't know. Let's let's say he gets 700 yards over the next four games. <laughs> if he gets 700 yards over the next four games. Then he'll be, he'll be an All American, right? Like he'll be. He he'll has be, to be. They'll be talking about him for postseason awards. He has to because be. he'll be over two thousand yards rushing. He has to be. So does Nikhil Harry become forgotten in his junior senior year? No, I don't think that any. I think, I think that as a running back wide receiver combination, this is one of the top three or four in the country, and I think that people recognize it that way. I think that Alabama probably could could definitely compete in this area. Jerry Judy was ranked right up there with Nikhil Harry coming out of high school, and his production has been sort of there. But I mean, yeah, I to, I think had had Bryce Love had the season that everyone thought he would have, oh, then man. you could say Bryce Love and JJ Arcega Whiteside were probably a, a level above Eno and Nikhil. But Bryce Love hasn't done anything. Stanford can't run the ball, and Eno and Nikhil are both going off. Um, so, I mean, I, I will say that already for me, I, he just eclipsed. I don't think he just eclipsed terrain on paper. I think in my mind. I think in my mind, he just became better than than, than terrain as far as running back in ASU I mean, history. It, it has to be said that, uh, that you know, the best ASU running back we've seen statistically. I mean... What, like, but that, what, can't, that can't even be argued, right? What do you think of him, of just people that you've observed in, you know, whether it's Richard or just going back to anybody who's run the ball, even all the way back to Battle, Mario Bates, guys like that. What, what do you? That goes way back. What do you? What do you think of his potential? Do you think um, he has the potential to be the best ASU's ever seen? I mean, he he's different. You know, he's he he plays he plays running back like. It's what he was born to do, you know. Um, Which is the opposite of what I think ASU got out of Bellage. Bellage, you'd go out there and be like, "Man, that's the most talented guy on the field." But I don't think this is what he was made for. No, I always kind of thought that he was made for something else, like, tight end, defensive end, yeah, something like that. I was gonna say DN. Yeah, um, but when, with Eno, I don't feel like he's leaving anything. But I think he's maximizing what he can do for the I most mean, part every time. And there's three games where he didn't even run the ball that well this year. So most of the damage has been done in the other seven games. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up with you, Brandon Reese missed another. He's struggling. Yeah, he missed a forty-two yarder today, um, which everybody which is was weird. Ro- everybody was rooting for him to make a forty-two yarder on Military Appreciation Salute the Soldiers uh, yeah. Day. He, he so he's been struggling a little bit. Um, I think it's maybe overemphasized. I think people expect him to be automatic. 
I think he expects himself, so I think it's maybe the criticism's fair. Yeah. So, what um, do you think's going on there? 42, 42 yards. If you if you know Brandon, you know forty two yards is Should almost be a chip shot. Yeah, yeah. for him. Um, and he definitely he's had got the, the distance leg for it. Yeah. Um, but you've seen some of his kickoffs are falling short. You saw a couple that were fair caught inside the five instead of going into the yeah, end that's zone. That's another rule that's dumb too. Um, going out to the twenty five yard line. Yeah, like I think that I think that that fair catch rule moving it out is dumb. Like let make him run the ball. Um, but yeah, you know. I don't. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's too much strain on his leg. Maybe the maybe the heat's getting to him. He needs to drink some mustard. I. You know. I, I, the I don't, mustard. <laughs> I, I, I don't, Drinking I, mustard. I, they swear it works. I. I, I don't know. The, I don't know the answer. Um, well, I mean, I know at Williamsfield they practice that, so you know he might be used to it. Um, it's crazy. Like, I seen this kid in high school warming up like with like. Uh, 40, 50 yard field goals, like in warmups. But you would say he's regressed from his freshman year a little bit. I don't want to say production reg- wise. I, I don't want to say regress. I, I, I mean, maybe, maybe there's something going on uh, internally, maybe mentally. Like it's man. tough mentally for a kicker. I mean, there's a weird amount it's of pressure on like, you. You get like one shot. You get, you know, hey, you're not well, out there get, taking reps all the time. Hey, at least he didn't go out there. What, what's crazy is what's on in the background right now. What are you looking at? Brandon Reese kicking the game winner against Michigan State. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there there's us standing in the end zone. But I would say that I, I would say that there's a lot that goes into it mentally for a kicker. Um, but this was a low pressure situation. Is he more of a performer under serious hey, pressure? I I'd rather he miss this one than he miss that one. Like ultimately, it didn't matter, right? Who and who made the difference? It was thirty-one twenty-eight. Who made the difference? I mean, uh, you would say that a kicker did. So. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's a three-point win. You got to have that three-point win somehow. It came off the leg of, of your kicker for your first points of the game. Um, Brandon Ruiz is Reese. Brandon Reese, Reese. It's it's taken me forever to get used <laughs> to this because we knew him as Brandon Ruiz in high school and never never corrected us. So. And Brandon Reese is supremely talented, um, and you know I, you, I don't know. I hope nobody's talking about you know jumping off his bandwagon and. I don't know what the alternative really is. Stick with him. Stick with him. He's that guy. So in today's game, we saw production from Kyle Williams. We haven't seen that in a few games. Uh, In this game, we saw, uh, and this is what I want to get to, because it was senior day. Manny Wilkins was very emotional during, very emotional after the game. Um, He's developed a really close bond with Nikhil Harry. Uh, He's played a lot of games in front of this crowd. And something that I bring up on the podcast uh, pretty frequently is there are not a lot of quarterbacks in Arizona State history that have played three years that have gone on to play as a senior that have not escaped unscathed. A lot of these guys live long enough to see themselves become the villain. It felt Rudy Carpenter. Rudy Carpenter, Taylor Kelly, Mike Bercovici's senior year was was to a lot of people a letdown. He got a lot of hate on social media because they were supposed to win a national it's a championship. Bad system. I mean, the system just didn't fit the it quarterback. Yeah, people got to yeah. understand that, but but they didn't. They didn't understand it. And so it, Danny Sullivan. There, there's been a lot of seniors uh, that um, that failed to live up to expectations. It felt like Manny Wilkins was headed down that road. Three wins in a row, though. And he's starting to loosen up. See, I didn't mind that he was... I don't mind that he's throwing interceptions now because I feel like he wasn't before, right? He wasn't before, and he looked worse. So I feel like he's taking more chances. He's he's taking more chances on Nikhil. He's throwing up more, con- more contested balls. He's developing chemistry with more than just two receivers. 
right? Brandon Ayuk's getting involved. Darby. Yeah. Darby had an amazing catch. Yeah, and and uh, and and Darby is really hit or miss, but has a special relationship with Manny, and Manny stays in his ear. Um, so, I, I know I know that he's not your favorite quarterback uh, that's ever wore the maroon and gold, and I I think I think that he he's a very emotional player, and he evokes emotions in others. Let, let's be fair though. I was never really a quote unquote fan of Manny from the beginning. Right. So like yeah. at least I've stayed consistent in how I felt like I didn't just jump jump on the bandwagon right. and then he off was, the bandwagon when, and then when, off, when like, they had the when they had the quarterback contest three years ago he was your number three choice and you weren't alone you weren't yeah. alone no right and then over the last couple of years there's been a lot of calls for Brady White before he left a lot of people thought Blake Barnett was going to come in and do do wonders because of his high school rating and stuff like that um, what I what I will say is not a lot of quarterbacks have had a lot of success at Arizona State. It's a hard place to play. It's a hard place to play. Because there's no fans that come to the games at some point. <laughs> like, sometimes you play in an empty stadium. A lot, of these, a lot of these kids have played in high school stadiums that have yeah. more kids in the stands than Arizona State has. And Arizona State has this big, huge stadium that holds 60,000 that like when there's even not – even when it's got only twenty, like when it's got twenty thousand people missing, it looks empty. Yeah. So, so here's the deal. Who's the only quarterback in the last fifteen years at Arizona State to beat Oregon? Well, we lost like eleven straight years to them. So. Right. So it's Manny, though, right? Yeah. It's Manny. Who is the who is the last? Uh, ASU quarterback to knock off a top 10 team in the last like 15 years um, it's Manny Manny did it to, oh, yeah. to Washington well, last yeah. year who is the only Arizona State quarterback in since forever to beat USC and UCLA in the same season that hasn't happened in like forever because one we haven't been able to win in California for like a long time right but it, so again it's it, and and I mean, he's he has had he's done something. He's actually had some success. He's won three in a row for the first time in a really long time. He has ASU in a position to do something special. Will you? I, I want to know. Will you change your mind about Manny Wilkins if he can get this job done? If he can get them to nine wins, forget the bowl. If Manny Wilkins can get them to nine, even eight wins, because that would get him the trip, right? That would get them the trip to the Pac-12 championship. If Manny Wilkins. And this is, and I know how you felt about where they should be before the season, but I'm talking about from them being three and four, from them being three and four, and Manny Wilkins playing kind of playing it safe and not really looking that great, as, and all the criticism that came with it. <clears throat> if he rattles off five wins in a row to get them to the Pac-12 championship, well, I'm asking you what it'll take for for you to change your mind about Manny Wilkins with a few games left. Oh, what do you want me to change your mind that he's? The, greatest, the right the choice. Greatest because to State you, quarterback no, 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 no. Because for you, he wasn't the right choice, and for a lot of people, he wasn't the right choice. What does he have to do? Nothing's going to change my mind because, like, there were still so many subpar seasons. He was spent a lot of time as a sophomore hurt. There's still so many subpar seasons. So, like, that would be like saying, like, oh, hey, what's it going to take for you to? Think that Donald Trump was the best choice for president ever, and I think both candidates were terrible. 
Right. <laughs> now like, we're gonna get the hate mail on the on the podcast. I'm, but no, like, I'm just saying though. Like, yeah. you know, one doing doing having so one it's a, good what you're season saying is it's an impossible four, scenario for you. It is it, just hard. Like, I would be like, hey, you know, thanks, Manny. You proved that I was right that this was a ten win team. So you, all you all you're saying is help he, me help you. He can only meet your expectations. There, there's nothing to exceed. I mean, if if this team would have been like 14 and 0 and won a national championship, then I would have had to be like, wow, you know what? That four-year model, I all guess, right. kind of works. You know, Todd Graham brought the right guy in, and so Manny can't win with you, but he is winning on the field, and that's what's really most important, right? He is using his legs more. Have you noticed that? What do you think of that? What do you think of him? Is he using them more or is he just using them more efficiently? And is it more efficient because, you know, Benjamin's been so efficient running the ball? And, yeah, that's fair. I think, you know, he keeps it, I think he keeps it because it, when he used to run. Let, let, let me say this. Let me say this because I know you really want me to say something nice about me. I, I don't care I, what you say about me. I, 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 he, I, he's I, a controversial think, dude and he knows I think, it. I think he has, he has gotten better as a game manager as a byproduct of Eno Benjamin's success. Okay. Okay, so the fact that they're able to run the ball has really contributed to Manny's ability to kind of manage the game. Experience and, and consistency on the offensive line because you watched Rudy Carpenter have three pretty good years and then all of a sudden he had an inexperienced offensive line and he got wrecked as a senior. Well, Manny Wilkins' senior year coincides with the most experienced offensive line that Arizona State's had in three or four years. So And a running back that's... <laughs> yeah, a running back that's going off and the best receiver in the country. Okay, so I'm 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 with you. What do you think? What do you think the? How do you think the students should feel about this guy? Because he's a three-year starter, he's a Sun Devil through and through. He did he did put it all out there. Whether or not you thought he was the right guy, he took he had the job. Yeah, you know, um, if if I was if if I was an ASU co-ed or something, I would let him buy me a cup of coffee at the MU and. You know, entertain a conversation. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. You know, I. Yeah, I mean, he was our, he was our quarterback, you know, and um, <laughs> he took some sacks, he took some big hits, he he bled maroon and gold. He um, didn't transfer, even given the crazy work conditions and of having four a new offensive, offensive coordinator yeah. every year. Um, I don't envy that. I I will give him credit for that because that is absurd to think about. Yeah, I mean, being successful under those conditions. Yeah, you know, it, I don't want to. I don't want to get too much into it, but you know, I, I do think that you know, having your, um, having so much turnover in your, I guess, immediate coach, is, is kind of hard, especially at the most important position. Um, you know, he's he's handled it. He's handled it better than um, most probably would. You know, he, he, he stuck around, and, you know, he survived. He's a survivor. Yeah, so Nikhil's legacy, obviously I think you're going to have a change of time here, but Nikhil is, we, you and I are, one, he's 100% gone. This is it. He is 100% gone. 100% gone. So, so, you know, he didn't go out there and have the year that I thought that he would, the Calvin Johnson year, the Larry Fitzgerald year. There's still time. Um, but he, he, he obviously, the, it took – them a while to figure out how to use him over his three-year career he's different than anything asu has ever had before and you brought up something on the field before we came up to the press box that um i think i want to ask you so that everybody can hear it and everybody can be thinking about it 
will he get his name on this stay will he be up there with Randall McDaniel is it about what he does after we are does Jalen Strong deserve it before him or with him I'm curious I like Jalen Strong a lot I liked him before the jail Mary um I think one thing that is going to be a huge huge difference um between between the two legacies is obviously the one year of play one the one year of play because Nikhil has one more year of play here at ASU the other thing is Nikhil is a hometown hero to put Nikhil's name up next to all those names, uh, Danny White's and everybody, I think will say more, especially locally, um, for all the recruits that are coming in. They played on the same fields that Nikhil played on, whether they play um, against or at Marcos or whether they play against or at Chandler or Hamilton. Like Those are fields that Nikhil played on. And those are fields that Nikhil dominated on. And um, to see to see one of your own up there, I think will say a lot for the next five years, four of which Herm will probably be here. Also, so, also, <laughs> also something that you know people got to consider is I know everybody's kind of looking at last year. Uh, Nikhil blew up with his uh, like 1,300 yards receiving and stuff like that. Right now he has like a little over 800 yards, and with still two games left potentially three potentially four you could still get close to what he do what he did last year and it would still be amazing and yeah. he's still going to climb up these record books even more than he already is now so you know i really have to say like you know between if the decision is between him and strong i don't think it's much of a decision jalen has a strong case and akil is and part and and what's going to be a permanent part of akil harry's legacy and i'm not going to say whether you like it or not but is the fact that all those balls came from, for the most part, from from Manny Most of them did. I mean, I wouldn't say all of them because I know there were other quarterbacks that had to take snaps when Manny had to sit out, you know. Getting beat up on, yeah. Yeah, But, like, yeah, but so, I mean, that's going to be a permanent part of Nikhil's legacy is the fact that he's attached to to Manny Wilkins in in that way. And that's, uh, I don't know, that's interesting to me. I I think the more telling thing is going to be people will look at, Wow, Nikhil Harry was this amazing wide receiver whose name is on the thing. Eno Benjamin is one of the greatest running backs Arizona State has ever had. Who's the quarterback again? Oh, so I'm going to cut it short here. I'm going to I'm going to do a segment. So uh, we're we're, we're, we're at, with that we're going to say bye to Chili. We're going to I'm, I'm going to do a segment here where I read some of your goodbye notes that I asked you to tweet me about Nikhil Harry, about Manny Wilkins, and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the recruits that were on on the sideline. Uh, but uh, for for now, uh, before I dismiss you, uh, Chili, <laughs> to make sure that that's not the note that we end this podcast on, I do want to ask you what are their chances. Uh, in Eugene and ultimately to win the Pac-12 South? I think Oregon's very, very beatable. I think Arizona's very, very beatable. I think that this team is easily looking at 8-4, and four, and they control their own destiny. So that puts them in the in a game in the and unfortunate you think they location can beat, of Levi Stadium. Yeah, but you think they can beat Washington State. You told me that. Yeah, I do think they can beat Washington State. So, I mean... We're looking at a team that's going to be nine and four probably, and unless a travesty happens on the sidelines with the smarter people, I, I don't, I don't see, it. I don't, I cannot envision a nine and four ASU team, especially with 
all three of those games being away from Sun Devil Stadium. Um, you know, I think the best That thing, would be next level I think stuff. the best thing for ASU is that those games are away from Sun Devil Stadium so that when it comes time to have to win your 7th, um, 8th, and ninth game, um, the pressure isn't on them as much. They'll be away from home. Sometimes, you know, you just got to let the kids go. So you, and you think all the pressure, up. you think all the pressure's on Oregon to defend home field. That's an interesting. All the pressure's on Oregon. All the pressure's on Arizona to not lose to Arizona State. Um, all the pressure is going to be on whoever they're playing against because Arizona State wasn't supposed to be that good because they were picked to be last in the Pac 12 South when Herm's friends all did him a favor in predicting that. You think that the low expectations were people doing Herm a favor? Yeah. I genuinely, I genuinely think. Yeah, because so then when he, so if ASU's terrible, it's like, oh, Herm was supposed to have a terrible team. Like he did what they're, like that's what they were supposed to do. And then when they went, oh, this Herm is did such a great job. This is Herm, a controversial job, take. Herm. You were so amazing. You were the best uh, coach in I the don't world. Know about like this. we got the right guy in here. Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I think all of those people thought that Herm Edwards was a genuine joke of a hire. And they were expecting ASU to completely tank. I don't think they were. I think I think it works out in the way that you're saying. I think that it works out being a favor for him because people overestimated. They honestly thought that Herm Edwards was going to come in and cause Arizona State to be worse. Um, but I don't think that I, I. I think that in the end it ends up being a favor because of the low expectations and the fact that you can prepare your team and say that nobody thought you'd be good. You can do the backs against the wall, us against the world thing. But I, I genuinely think – I was talking to all those Pac-12 media people. They thought ASU was so dumb. And, and I think you were in their camp a little bit for making this hire the way that they did that that it would turn a, a team that was returning its entire offense and adding some really important pieces to it, that it would turn ASU's entire team into a giant joke. And I always thought that was ridiculous. I thought they'd finish third in the Pac-12 South and win seven games. And – I I feel like most intellectually honest people felt the same way, that they would be a middle-of-the-road team. The, the fact that the Pac-12, it just shows that these people don't pay attention and they wanted ASU to be a laughing stock. I don't think they were doing Herm Edwards any favors, but you're, you are right in that it might work out that way because if Herm Edwards get, ends up getting Pac-12 Coach of the Year, which is a real possibility now. With all it Todd Graham's be, players. It, <laughs> yes, yes. And again, Todd Graham had most of his success with who? Dennis Erickson's players. So, I mean... I mean, that's usually, like... The way it Because coaches don't stick around yeah. for more than four or five years. But but, <laughs> but I think if, if Herm Edwards wins Pac-12 Coach of the Year, which would be hard because Mike Leach, obviously, is having a real special season. But if, if he does, that it will have been a favor because the people that said the ASU would finish last were being intellectually, in my opinion, intellectually dishonest. I think you and I agree about that, but you think they're doing him a favor, and I think that they were being on. I think that they believed that that ASU would be that bad. I mean, I think that those people. I think that those people just wanted to protect their boy, and they did. <laughs> they did. Oh, these takes. All right, hey, let's go ahead and get to this Twitter segment. We'll we'll catch you later, Chili.
Yeah. All right, my guy Chili had his say on the legacy of Manny Wilkins uh, and quite a few other things today. He he, he was really uh, a lot. <laughs> so shout out to Chili. Um, but I mean, I I've got some uh, feelings on on Manny Wilkins' legacy as an Arizona State Sundle. I think he gave it all he could. Um, you know, obviously there there's anywhere between three and four games left for. Manny Wilkins, uh, as it stands right now when I'm recording the end of this podcast, ASU remains in control of their own destiny. If they beat Oregon, they beat Arizona, then they move on to the Pac-12 championship. And so, you know, it's a it's it's a situation in which I think Manny Wilkins' legacy is very much still in play as far as his legacy in front of Sun Devil fans at Sun Devil Stadium. Um, you know, uh, obviously beat Oregon, uh, beat Washington. Um, beat uh, beat UCLA uh, to to get them to bowl eligibility. There's been some there's been some big wins for for Manny Wilkins. It was was uh, you know the starting quarterback. Obviously, Kalen Balaj did a bulk of the work, but was the starting quarterback for the game against Texas Tech. Um, was the starting quarterback for the game against Michigan State in Sun Devil Stadium. Uh, you've seen the transformation of Sun Devil Stadium uh, over time while Manny Wilkins was quarterback. You've seen him. Um, be quarterback uh, under three different offensive coordinators as a starter in the last three years. Um, and you've seen him be quarterback through, you know, countless injuries, changes to the offensive line, everything like that. So um, uh, while his legacy is still very much up for grabs as far as um, overall and what his impact was at Arizona State, I, I to me personally, um, I think that he's somebody that Sun Devil fans should look Back upon uh, with 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 fondness and and know that while there were people that were very critical of uh, of him in any given moment, that's because the expectations were high and he I think he rose to some of those challenges and others um, you know others maybe not but I think when you stack his accomplishments up next to various other uh, Arizona State quarterbacks, you know I, I think that. Um, you know, you can put Taylor Kelly and, and, and Jake Plummer and Andrew Walter up there, and I think that he's probably in that next tier with obviously still some games to go. So we'll see what ultimately ends up happening with, with, with Manny Wilkins. But if he takes Arizona State to a Rose Bowl and he's one of three uh, Arizona State quarterbacks to ever have done that, then I think that, you know, obviously that's going to change some things and change some outlooks no matter what Chili says. Uh, so one thing that I did ask people to do on Twitter and on devilsdigest.com is to just weigh in on that. Um, uh, what You know, I asked people to say, you know, what did you think uh, of of Manny Wilkins? What did you think of Nikhil Harry? And then what would be your parting message for either one of these? I didn't get a ton of responses, but I do want to share some of the ones that I did, especially the ones on devilsdigest.com. One from Lobo Jangles. Manny is an absolute warrior to persevere through all quarterback battles, coordinator changes, huge hits. He did what was asked of him, nothing but respect. And to Mr. Harry, transcendent player that you only see a few times in one's lifetime. I'm 50 only seen a few come through that stadium. Suggs, the 96 offensive line, uh, Jake Plummer, and and number one, Nikhil Harry. Um, and then another one, the original Sun Devil for life, my guy. Uh, the Manny-Nikhil connection will live on in Sun Devil lore alongside the likes of Kelly Strong, Walter McDonald, Plummer Poole. Well-deserved, and they'll both be missed next year. Now let's check in on some of the responses to that question. 
that I got when I tweeted it out after the game. I don't think there were very many, um, but I but I did get a few more favorites and likes on that tweet than actual responses. But uh, um, Sherry Brooks said, "I'm so proud of these two amazing Sun Devils. I'm thankful that I was able to watch them play." Um, just impressed a guard. We laugh at how quickly ASU was able to market Hermisms, but Lord knows these two left it all on the grass in their time at Sun Devil Stadium. Tis just one chapter, and these men have so much more to write. Can't wait to see Nikhil smile when he's able to bring the rest of his family here. Uh, and Natalie McGilbert, which I which I believe is actually Manny Wilkins' mother, says, I love my baby boy and Nikhil, the dynamic duo. Shining Star is going to miss Sun Devil Stadium. So um, a few people weighing in there on what they think of, uh, of, of Nikhil Harry's time at Sun Devil Stadium and Manny Wilkins' time at Sun Devil Stadium. Uh, quite, definitely quite the connection. Not over yet, I think. Um, Nikhil Harry, I know Chili mentioned that Nikhil Harry had like 1,300 yards as a sophomore. He didn't. He had 1,000. Um, but, yeah, Nikhil Harry's in a, in a position right now where I think he's maybe 80, 90 yards away from having 1,000 for the second straight year. Uh, Manny Wilkins is slowly climbing up the record books. I think the two more rushing touchdowns today... Um, and then another another touchdown pass. He continues to be efficient. He only had six pass attempts in that second half, but they really didn't need to be uh, need to be throwing the ball. Um, but ultimately, you know, they 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 obviously did enough to get this win with help from from Eno Benjamin from the offensive line. Uh, and and this is a tough. I know they're two and eight, <laughs> and they're you know they're not going to get a lot of respect. But the truth is, this is a very talented. UCLA team that's just working on making sure they get the right personnel to run Chip Kelly's system, who obviously was an incredibly successful coach at the University of Oregon, and that's where Arizona State heads next. They're going to go to Eugene. I'll be out there, uh, and then they're going to try to get this win against a, an Oregon team that just lost on the road uh, to move to six and four on the season. This Oregon team lost on the road at uh, at the University of Utah, who Arizona State obviously just had a win over. Um, uh, Oregon, Oregon has really just crapped a couple of games away. They really had a chance to to win this game in, in Salt Lake today. They they definitely probably should have beat Stanford, and things really fell apart uh, at the end for them there. And then they they did have the one big win over Washington, and it feels like for the most part maybe just the Pac-12 in general. Uh, there's not a lot of distance between the number one team in the Pac-12 and maybe going all the way down to the number 10 team in the Pac-12. Number 10 team in the Pac-12 might be USC, to be honest. They fell to 5-5 five and five after a loss to Cal today, which was, I think, Cal's first time beating USC in 15 years. So we'll see. I mean, a lot uh, still outstanding for Manny Wilkins' legacy, for Nikhil Harry's legacy, but ultimately, as of right now, Arizona's destiny is in their own hands. They'll go to Eugene next week. They'll be uh, without Merlin Robertson for the first half um, but all you can ask for is that Arizona State has a chance and right now they have that chance so uh, I will be back after the game at the University of Oregon to uh, to to talk about what the after effects of that game are and see if Arizona State's still alive uh, as far as having a chance to, to take the Pac-12 South in the meantime make sure to check out DevilsDigest.com tune in to the Pull Up Jays podcast the basketball specific podcast uh, through Devil's Digest is something I've really been enjoying from Jeff Griffith, Griffith and Jordan Kay uh, fantastic show from those two uh, they're two episodes in they got another one coming up real soon I might drop in on that 
as well because I really, really enjoy what this ASU basketball team is doing. Good luck to ASU women's basketball taking on number four Baylor on the Navajo Res. I think they're headed all the way out to uh, to Window Rock High School uh, tomorrow, and, and so uh, that should be a really... Really fun one, and uh, and so for Chili, I'm Ralph Ames, and this has been the Devil's Junkie Podcast uh, post-UCLA win reaction show. We'll catch you next time. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. All my friends were vampires Didn't know they were vampires Turns out I was a vampire myself in the devil town Devil Town